Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where we explore what it means to be a well-rounded, happy, goal-crushing athlete. Every week, myself, sports journalist Molly Herford, and cycling coach and kinesiologist Peter Glassford interview experts and chat through all of your training questions. We're excited to have you along for the ride. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Peter, how's it going? It's going well. Yeah, busy time of year. There's lots going on on the website. We've got a couple new plans are up. The What is that? That most recent one was the indoor base plan, I believe. So it's if you're one of these Zwifters or smart trainer types who don't want to go outside, we still love you. Uh, I, and so, I, yeah. You know, I just posted that plan today and I really did appreciate the fact that not a lot of people do a indoor base training plan and it might sound kind of surprise or sort of like weird to people because you're like, why isn't that just your normal base training plan just done indoors? But, it, you know, if you're doing a normal base training base phase outside, it tends to be bigger hours. It could be bigger hours. It could also, I mean, I just, I have another one called the mountain bike base, um, and someone just messaged and said, well, they wanted to do it indoors and there's no, you know, downloadable like Zwift files. And I said, well, I mean, it's a mountain bike ride. It's <laughs> I'm like, I think you got the wrong plan. So we got them straightened away and, and they got on this indoor based plan. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's that's where a lot of people do their indoor miles. Right. So, yeah, it tries and guides towards these hours considerations. It tries to keep it a little more interesting and jumping around. It tries to, you know, things like coordination are easier to do inside. Uh, yeah, so it's up there. So we have that. And then you had a great post. I enjoyed the title was, what was it? Holidays in December as a type A athlete. Uh, that wasn't what I saw. Well, I did hustle versus <laughs> that's, Hyg that's as, the uh, subtitle, the subtitle, subtitle. Yes, hustle versus Hyg. So I love that. So anyone that doesn't know Hyg or might be Hig, I'm probably mispronouncing okay. it. H Y G G E, uh, that like very cozy feeling. So it's, it's very Is it like Scandinavian, Scandinavian. Yes. You're curled up in your cashmere throw, sipping your hot chocolate and listening to some smooth Christmas Definitely jazz like fires while or something. fires going, your scented candle is okay. burning okay. Uh, versus the hustle that tends to accompany December where we're, we're goal setting, we're trying to finish the year strong, whether we mean strong like in the gym or in training or we mean strong in business. Um, and I think it's really easy to get pulled in both directions, all three directions, I'm gonna say, because I think for, for me in particular, and that's, I'm talking about my own learned, lived experience in this article, it's, you know, I'm getting pulled in trying to make 2022 really count for work and be like ready to crush it in 2023 with work but then also you know i have these big athletic goals that i'm trying to train for and keep my volume up and all of these things um but then also i love christmas so freaking much and really love spending that time with my family and you know getting to see friends and have relaxing evenings with them and mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. have that like cozy season so it's weird i just feel like i'm being pulled in three different directions yeah. I mean, I think that's the nature, right? You, you, you know, and you don't even have, you know, these spring pageants or like staff meetings. Or... Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is all, this is no, no staff, staff parties. I guess I meant like, yeah. Staff parties. It could no, be a meeting too. No holiday parties. We don't have kids who are in pageants. Uh, you know, the, the worst I have is, you know, DW is getting into his presence early. That's our, Certainly. that's our maximum. So I, yeah, a lot of you I know are being pulled in even more directions. So I sort of went through a few of the ones that I've been thinking about and then kind of a couple non-resolutions that I have for December in terms of how I'm trying to fix it. So things like really trying to be present when I am with family and friends, putting the phone away, you know, not not prioritizing training over family in those moments. Okay. Of well, there you go. So there's a couple new posts. As someone said today, you guys put out a lot of content and I said, thank you, but I have very little to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> I try and do that. So kudos to you. I liked as I, I gave you Instagram kudos today for that. Oh, thanks. What was it? Hustle and Hyg. There you go. Uh, yeah. I like that you're really into that. So we have that. And then uh, we have, what else do we have here on the list? Well, I think on the note of the the Hustle and Hyg, I think the, the holiday season coming up makes me think about all of the travel all of the meals out with friends out with family me having all of my christmas holiday staples my mother makes a cinnamon roll tree etc and all of that makes me very very thankful for one of our sponsors ag1 by athletic greens so this is something i'm very very thankful we have on hand especially during a holiday season where it's just a little hectic and sometimes mm -hmm. it's not as easy to eat and uh... so this is not just a green supplement yeah so that's what's interesting about it you, you know it started out with more of that vibe but since then it's been through 53 iterations i believe and now it's 
<laughs> minerals, vitamins, adaptogens, greens, superfoods, uh, probiotics and prebiotics, just all of the things to make your... Which is perfect. And yeah. then the other thing I like, you know, for clients, sometimes we get into this always looking for the supplements and the, the money and the time gets spent on this. And so it's, it's you know, something that's it's pretty solid, you know, consult your doctor, whatever you need to do. Uh, but, you know, it's sort of, you know, when you compare it to the purchasing of a ton of different supplements and, you know, then it can be cheaper, but also we get that NSF rating on that one thing. Uh, so we're less concerned about weird things that are in supplements. Yeah, exactly. So it just, it makes life so much easier. I love the little travel packs. They're perfect for when we're on the road for a few days. Uh, I think it's very tasty. I think it's got kind of like a, if you're used to orange juice in the morning, it's sort of a nice, nice substitute for that for sure. Um, yeah. And I, I just cannot recommend it enough. It's, I gift it to my dad. So that's, that's how much I like it. And right now to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one year supply of immune supporting vitamin D, which tastes great by the way, and five free travel packs with your first purchase. So all you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash Molly H. Again, athleticgreens.com backslash Molly H to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And I highly recommend giving it as a gift if you have if you already have it for yourself like i say it's what i've done for my parents and i think it's a it's a gift that keeps on giving mm -hmm. we'll especially say. for those you know who are a little harder to push into healthy habits right and that's where we've given it to our our dads uh to try and you know that's that one drink they have in the morning it tastes good you know they've both confirmed this uh and, and, you know, it gets them started with some water and some vitamins and minerals, right? And we hope that that, you know, makes people feel better. And then maybe other healthy habits sort of come, you know, on the heels of that uh, initial movement. So we try and make it easy, quick, uh, and, and go from there. Exactly. All right. So today's episode, super, super excited. We have Rochelle Peugeot. She is a Quebecois downhiller. She's been a bike racer for as long as I have, despite the fact that she's like 10 years younger than me. Uh, and she is just awesome. I met her through Jukebox Cycling, where I've been doing some content this season. And I've just loved her season has been so up and down, so many injuries and just wacky things happening, bikes lost in airports, like all that kind of stuff. And she has just really kept her cool about it, continued to just kind of stick to some of these process goals she had for herself, even when the outcome goals became harder and harder to get to. Uh, she's very much into, you know, healthy routines, no matter where she is. Uh, and I just, I really think she is just so smart with her goal setting and her approach to it. So much so she actually uh, just is coming out with a 2023 planner. Uh, we'll include a link to the pre-order in the show notes. Um, and I actually got a chance to look through it and it's super cool. Like I'm, I'm pretty picky about my planners. I go through a lot of them uh, because I really love a good planner and I think uh, I'm, I'm on the pre-order list here. Okay. So that's good then it's, you know, sort of in fitting for the season and, and our goal setting episode coming up next week. Uh, did we ask for questions? I don't think we've done that yet. We haven't yet. So if you do have any questions or, you know, maybe you're doing something different as far as goal setting, make sure you reach out to us about that this year. Uh, and perhaps this episode would spark, will spark a few ideas as far as goal setting and, and planning uh, for 2023. Yeah, definitely. So hit us up over on Instagram at consummate athlete or at consummateathlete.com. You can grab the show notes there as well. And without further ado, enjoy this episode with Rochelle Peugeot. I mean, the big thing I wanted to talk to you about today is like all about goal setting, because I know that you are exactly like me, where this is like best time of year, like the most fun part of the season is kind of like the, the goal, goal setting process. And yeah, I know you have a really, really good one. So, I mean, before we get into that, let's give everyone like a little bit of background about who you are, what sports you're, or which, which form of cycling you're into now, and just sort of how you got to be where you are now. I mean, I'm into all forms of cycling now. <laughs> right this minute, I'm into almost no form of cycling, because this year has been, it's been a year, um, so right now I'm like, it's, it's the first time in a while that I haven't touched a bike in like a month. And I touched a bike on Thursday, first lap, and I crashed on my hands and I ripped my hand open and I was like, wow, that went great. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a downhill racer now. And I started off as an XC racer um, when I was like, I, 
I, I thought I was pretty old for starting because I was like 13 years old when I first got into bikes. And I got into bikes because I was a ski racer. And I was like, oh, it'll be good for me in the summer. Um, that's the reason I told everybody and I told my parents to get into it. But the real reason is that I crush my little boy and he skied. And then I was like, oh, he also rides bike in the summer. Then I get to see him twice as much. So I got into cycling. Uh, and I started racing XT. <laughs> um, and I raced XT for almost 10 years, I think. Um, yeah, actually, 10 years. Um, and I was on the national team, raced a bunch of World Cups. And then at some point, I and I was I was training. Like I, I quit XT when I was almost peaking. Like I was training the most I've ever trained. And I was really fit, but I couldn't, I just couldn't be happy. And I was like so confused with all, everything. And then one of my, my coach, which was at the time the national team coach, told me, you don't have to race XC if you don't want to. And I was like, at first, I was like, I took it the wrong way. Because I was like, well, you're my coach. You're supposed to like believe in me. And at first, I, it felt like he didn't believe in me, but it wasn't that. And at first, I didn't even know myself that I wasn't enjoying it anymore. I was like, what and then it like brewed into my head I guess and at some point I was like damn I, I guess I could try something else so I started racing in zero just for fun the off season it wasn't like trying to switch and I had so much fun and I was so happy and I was like wow I just took my favorite parts of XC which was like descending and technical stuff and it ended up being the entire race and I had so much fun and with a zero, you don't see the clock or your or your results or the the, the stage results unless you're looking at the live timing. But it's like a step to get into. So it, it, you just do your entire zero, and then once the whole day is done, then you you know if you're doing good or not. And at that point, you already had fun, so it matter it doesn't matter as much. With with XC, it's like you know right off the start, five seconds in, you're not doing good. You're like, well. I don't like this. What am I doing? This is horrible. Why, why do I choose to do this every Sunday? Uh, so it's, it's a lot more of a mental game. Which, and there's a whole mental game with Enduro, too, obviously, which is a different mental game. So then I switched to Enduro, and then I eventually switched to completely downhill, uh, which is what I do now. Uh, and I love it. And it's funny because it almost feels like I went full circle with because I used to be a ski racer, like a downhill ski racer. And I loved it, but I didn't come from a place which super, we don't have big mountains. So like, I really loved it as my first love, but I didn't have like the resources to like really make it into ski racing, but now I'm a dental racer. And it feels like almost, almost the same sport. I love it. I love it. I like that you said you didn't even realize that you weren't enjoying cross-country mountain bike racing. So, I mean, I feel like that's actually kind of part of who you are now is a lot more like self-reflection and like checking in with yourself and like figuring out like, am I still having fun? Um, so you, you've kind of alluded to like, you've had a really tough season with a lot of injuries and drama with like lost bikes and all this kind of stuff. So, I mean, through throughout the season when things are going not your way how are you still finding the enjoyment in it that, this year was like really a test of that because it, it, it felt like everything that could have went wrong went wrong and sometimes things go wrong and you're like well that was kind of my fault or like oh well I could have avoided that if I'd been more focused or this or that but this year, it, it just felt like I was getting hit left, right, and center with things that I didn't have any control. So yeah, I lost my my two bikes were lost in the beginning of the season, and it took me two months to get them back. Um, so then I built a new bike, and then I had a, a stupid little crash, and I blew my knee out. And then I was like, oh my god, I, another thing. But it's okay, it's okay. And then I got back into racing a couple of weeks later, and I was starting to feel good again. And then I had a big crash and broke my shoulder. And then I was like, oh my God, but like there's two more races, including my favorite World Cup. So like, I'm gonna rally, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back to Europe and I'm gonna finish the season on my good note, get there, bikes get lost again. And then, I... <laughs> and then you're like, there's always silver linings and all these, all these quotes and people are just like, half the people are like telling you like, wow, how are you still going? Half the people are like, 
yeah, you, you got this, you got this. And you're like, I mean, yeah, sure, I'm resilient, but like at some point you better not have to be resilient. And, um, but I, I did end the season and I, I kept going to the races and I kept showing up. And I kept having fun. Like, of course, like, like my parents will be like, why are you still doing this? Like, why can't you just ride your bike for fun? And I'm like, I know from the outside it doesn't look like I'm having fun, especially for parents, because like, of course I'll call them, and most of the time I'll call them because I need like emotional support. If I'm happy and I'm having a blast, I might not necessarily call them right in the moment. So I'll call them when things are a bit difficult. But for them, it's only negative, and I'm like, oh, it's, it's like even though the season, like every other race, had like something super bad happen. I still had a blast. Like I still traveled all around the world and raced my bike or didn't race my bike, but I still traveled all, all around the world, got the experience and put in my backpack. And next year when things don't go as strong, hopefully I guess things can't keep going wrong. <laughs> Someone, some point you peek and you go back to the other side of the line. So when things like when things are gonna go right, it's gonna feel so easy. So then I so that's what I keep telling myself. And I mean, maybe other things are going to go wrong, but. Mm-hmm. And I like what we talked about a while ago was I asked you if during the season that you're sort of like reconfiguring or changing your goals for the, you know, in this case for the 2022 season, are you like changing them throughout? And I actually loved what you told me. You said, honestly, not really. You're sort of just trying to like do the best you can towards the goals that you'd already set. So talk to me a little bit about, you know, how you're, how you were looking at like, okay, I have all these goals and I'm sort of seeing them become less and less like achievable, but I'm still not going to like completely change them and throw them out. I feel like, like I set up goals for training, but I feel like once you get to the race, especially for downhill racing because it is it's it's a three minute and you you just have to give your 100 percent. you can't just like be in the start and be like start pep, like pondering like oh how did things go should i give it like 85 percent or 95 percent today like it, it it's just you, you take the start and then you give it all so i feel like like setting goals is more for like when you're training and when you're preparing than when you're actually racing because on race day doesn't matter if your bike showed up or if your if your body is 100 or if everything is doesn't matter the circumstances like you're just gonna have to go and do it so like goals are more i feel like for the winter and well our, our sports at least um it's for like when you're prepared and so they're so like you do set goals like oh i want to top 10 at world cup but again that's not even the goal that's going to make that's going to impact your training or it's, that goal doesn't really impact anything other than maybe like your resume and what you tell sponsors but it's really just like like a the pot of gold but like you need to to get the pot of gold you need to make your way there so it's more like the gold that gets that gets you step by step than the actual pot of gold I like that a lot because I do it yeah like the outcome goals where it's like I'm gonna win the world cup or top 10 at the world cup like they're kind of, they're kind of BS, like they're fake, right? Because there's no way you can control how fast everyone else is going. Um, so you're totally right. There's like training goals. Well, you know, we can call them process goals, but the goals during training are, are where, where the money is made really. Race day is just where you see if, if that paid off, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because exactly like an outcome goal, isn't it? Like it gives you motivation. You're like, oh, I really want it. But actually, even that, it's not even really the top 10 you want. It's like everything that comes with it. So yeah, I don't think outcome goals are super powerful. Or, or mm-hmm. Yeah, it just sort of gives you this like, yeah, you're right, like a motivation, but it's not necessarily actually something that you can really control achieving. I love that. Okay, so end of season. Season is officially over, which is why you're not on the bike right now. What does your end of season reflection stuff look like? What are you doing? Well, this year has been like, in a way, like I've said, like there's a lot of positive that came out of the season, but like in a way, it also feels like six months of racing went by, and I some days I feel like I've achieved nothing, and some days I feel like. I'm like, oh, I grew so much and this and that. And like, I focus on other things. So now it's the off season. It's, I'm super busy 
but by choice like I this the first I graduated last year so I could have like had a chill year but I said decided to start grad school and I took more classes than to just be full-time I took six classes which was 18 credits and I was like at first I was like oh, I'll drop a class or two and of course I didn't drop a class because I can't do that so I'm doing grad school full-time and I want to keep working hard on content creation and I want to start a YouTube and I want to keep working on my website and I want to come up with a planner and I want to get back into training and train harder and train better and do all this so like it's super fun because I'm super busy um and I feel like the more busy I am and I, I think that's a little bit for everyone but especially personally the more busy I am the more productive I'm going to get so like if I didn't do grad school I don't think I'd be doing I'd have more time for all my other projects but I don't think that I would put in more time because when you're like, oh, I have this like one hour window to get all these to, to do like tasks done, then you do it in that one hour window. But yeah, all day to do these few things, you end up not doing them because you get all day and every all day you procrastinate. So, so yeah, now I'm like, I'm not so much thinking back about, about the year to make my goal for next year just because it was such an odd year with odd like hurdles that I am a little bit putting it in the rear view and I'll, I'll keep the positive things and like all the things that I grow on and all the things that like I can use but I'll probably somewhat not recycle my goals from last year because like I'm a different person and everything's different but it's just another year and another winter and another six, seven, eight months to get stronger. Yeah. Okay. So getting stronger, like what's, what is on the, the training goal schedule? I know last year, you know, you talked about uh, getting better at jumping for, for example. So what does all of that look like? Uh, skills, skills wise, um, probably again, jumping a little bit uh, and that stuff, but this year, the, next year, the season starts a lot later. Um, like this year, we I started racing in February, and the World Cup, the first World Cup was, was the end of I think it was end of March, and then we had a month and a half off, and then the, the other World Cup. Next year, the first World Cup is mid June, which is kind of crazy. At first, I was wow, that's too much time. I don't like it too much time. What am I going to do? But it's kind of cool because then you get to a bit of a longer off season, which is great because I'm my body's beaten and I'm still like struggling to get back from those injuries. And then like ease more into it, get a, a better base of feeling strong. And then in like January, February, March, I get to focus more on skills while my, my body will be strong. Last year, it was kind of a rest of season in the and then took a quick off season and I was still in college. So I was still racing collegiate stuff and cycle cross and XD and blah, blah, blah. So, and then in January, I was just like, training and I was stoked to get into racing so early because I love racing obviously. <laughs> but I don't think it's actually very very smart because then when it was May I felt like I was four months in the season but really the season was just starting so it's a little bit odd mm-hmm. so this year I'm excited to take more time off work on all these projects because I, I just love doing all these, these like bike related but non like training related projects and when I don't get to do them they're still in the back of my head and I'm so bummed that I can't do them. So like they're, they're occupying brain space, but I don't get, to, I don't get like the gratification of doing them. So now I'm stoked to get started on projects so that oh, hopefully like they hit, they reach like cruise control speed in January. So then I can train and like feel like I'm doing all these things. So yeah, January. So yeah, the, until January, I'll, I'll, I'll get back into training. But I want to keep it like low key in the sense of like I'm gonna put in the hours, but a bit less like strict and a bit less like um, planned out. So that in January I'm really craving these hard workouts and this planned out like routine stuff. Mm-hmm. So that then when it comes June, you're peaking a little bit, and then you can like cruise the rest of the season on that shape. Because with with downhill racing. Well, I mean, with a lot of sports, but I feel like especially down the race, there's so much traveling. And then once you get into the race, the race season, like, you barely have time to train. And it's more just like tra- track walks, uh, like then 
practicing the track than racing, than feeling completely beaten beaten up on like Monday, Tuesday, traveling to the next race, than doing track walks. So like training is like kind of really hard to get into. So I think okay. it'll be good for us a bit later. Yeah. Yeah. And I really like, it seems like you're really kind of having separate seasons. So it's not just an off season. It's like the season where you're getting all of this other stuff in your life squared away, which is what we talk about all the time. Like, you know, between like work projects or family stuff, or honestly, we even talk about like health in the off season, which I think is a a big priority for you, right? Like, uh, you know, you've had all these injuries that like, you know, as you said, your, your body is sort of a, a little, a little angry with you right now, if we're being honest. Um, so yeah, talk to me about a little bit about that. Like, what are you doing to kind of take care of these injuries? So that way, when it does hit training time, you're like actually ready. Cause we're always saying like off season, this is the time to like deal with all of those. Like you have pretty major injuries, but a lot of people just have like tiny little things that have been kind of nagging at them all season. So I've had like a, a few injuries, especially since I started down my racing. When I could like see my dad said, no, 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 please don't. You're just going to get injured. And I'm like, no, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. He was right. Downhill is very harsh in the body. And there's not, I don't think there's any downhill racer who will go through a whole season without having an injury, like a, like a broken bone or a torn ligament. Like, I feel like it's getting worse with the years. I don't know if the tracks are getting earlier. People are just more committed. But like, that's just like that's the game play. So and this year, with the knee and the shoulder, and probably a couple concussions, it's it's been the wor- the the worst year in terms of injury for me. It's like I've I've torn my ACL and meniscus before, and I got surgery, and everything went so well. But this year, I got injuries that like lingered. Like my shoulder, when I I crashed in snowshoes, and I thought I just separated my shoulder, but and it took me three weeks to get uh, an X-ray because. Everybody thought that, well, nothing was broken because I was moving it, I was writing, but it was still painful. And I'm usually not like, I'm not, I don't complain a whole lot with pain, but I was like, this is really painful. So three weeks in, I went and got an, uh, an x-ray. Started on my, my, the head of my humerus was like completely shattered. So that's why it was so painful. Um, but then I still decided to go raise Valvisol, um, which was okay. I, I made it through the week. It wasn't like, anything spectacular but I made it through so that's that and then I was like and then I came home and I did two more races and then after the second one I was like I'm done like I just kept crashing and like I wasn't even craving the racing anymore so I knew that like it was time to pull the plug because like like Valisol it wasn't a smart race to do but I was craving it and I was excited every morning even though I knew it was going to be painful so then I pulled the plug and I thought like ah. I'll take two, three weeks off and completely off the like the bike and training and I'll be fine. So I go through first week and I was like, oh, not much progress. And then I go through the second week and third week and like no progress at all. Like not even like energy wise. I was tired. I was waking up like not feeling great because I, I couldn't have a single good night of sleep. Like my, I would just roll in bed all night because my shoulder was so painful and the pain wasn't going away and then I started being like what am I going to do then I just started seeing a chiropractor and doing this little magic stuff with a little hammer that that like unpinches all your nerves it's crazy because in two weeks and I'm I've seen so much um progress with just three appointments and so I'm really happy with that because I've never had like lingering pain in my neck or my or my back and I've I've always felt pretty lucky for that. It's like a lot of athletes, especially cyclists, have like back problems all the time. They just have like 24-7 back pain. And I've never had back pain, so I was just always like, so lucky, I'm so lucky. And then this year, I was just like, oh my God, what's happening? Is this going to be my life forever now? Because like I already have a bad knee. Now I'm not, I'm not have two bad knees. I was like, I can't have two bad knees, a bad shoulder, and then a bad neck, and a bad back, and all that. I can't do that. So like slowly taking care of that and... So now it's been like almost five weeks off the bike. And I'm like, I'm like hesitating between being freaked out of not riding full time yet and being like, I'm taking care of my body. I'd rather go two months without touching my bike, but then not like be able to go through a full night of sleep. And again, because I said like, I want to take my time this season and like 
ease back into training so that I can build a good base instead of like a shake base and then just try to smash things on top of a shake base. Like that doesn't work. So so yeah, I'll just keep taking my time off the, like I'm gonna start writing a little bit just because it's so much fun. And it's I'm I live in the south and it's beautiful outside right now um, in the fall. So like I'll write a little bit for fun, but I'm really taking it easy because I just want my body to feel right. Like I want to wake up in the morning and feel like I want to do things and not be like, oh my God, everything hurts and what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's still, there's a lot of questions about my knee and my shoulder. Uh, like my knee is, is not great. I'll try to get an MRI, but those are hard to get done. But. Yeah. Now you, you have a degree in kinesiology now. Do you find having the degree in kinesiology is like better or worse for you when you're dealing with injuries? Cause I feel like when you have it now, you like know where everything is and how, like how everything works. <laughs> I think it's good. I used to feel like my degree, like didn't teach me that much because coming from XC, I feel like XC racers have already such a good knowledge of like training and stuff like that especially when you train with the national team and stuff you just end up learning a lot about it so but now it's compared to like a lot of other like down racers or like even other cyclists in general I do realize that my degree is like really helpful and it's good because I can I know like like what I've just said like building a good base and stuff like that because like not everybody knows about it so I'm really glad that I have the knowledge to be able to be a bit more patient but it is a bit more stressful because I'm like if if a, if a joint or if a ligament is sore in my knee it doesn't matter if I give it 10 months it's not going to grow back <laughs> so there's that part that I'm like oh this is stressing me out a little bit but then I also know that if my PCL or my MCL is torn that is it's not going to grow back it's not going to like get better with time but if I go to the gym and I do PT or rehab or prehab, it will get better. The ligament itself is not going to, but everything else in my knee is going to make up for it. So I know that it, it, in the event that I get an MRI, it's not good news. It doesn't mean everything is crap and we need to pull the plug and like cancel a whole year. I can, I can go to the gym and make up for it. And so that I, I'm happy about and it's, mm-hmm. it will be really helpful. Yeah. I loved, uh, you, you mentioned this now, like downhill, pretty much everyone is injured. I loved when you were talking about world championships, you're like pretty much everybody comes into like the last couple of races of the season at like 80%. And I think, uh, this episode is coming out right as everyone is starting to get like a little bit of cyclocross burnout going where they've been racing and they probably raced all summer and now they're racing all fall and they're starting to like feel those little things. So I, I just really, I wanted to like call out that like towards the end of the season, it's okay. If you don't feel like a hundred percent, like that's, that's pretty much to be expected. And I think not panicking about that is, is a really helpful thing. <laughs> yeah. You scroll Instagram, like on, on world champs league and you're like, Oh, this guy, Oh, I have a broken foot, but I'll try to race anyway. Oh, well, my shoulder wasn't perfect, but it's world champ. So I'm going to show up and do my best. And it's just, everybody is it's just too vibrating. Mm-hmm. there's you have to know the line between like putting yourself more at risk by racing injured and yeah. like a, it's again the risk versus reward thing yeah that, but, yeah everybody no one's ever, nothing's ever perfect no one's ever 100 percent. i don't think there's such a thing at 100 percent. like you ask anybody even people who win like the biggest races or whatever they won't say like they might say like i had a great run i'm so happy with it but no one's going to say like oh yeah I woke up and that's still 100% there's nothing able to change physically mentally my equipment like it doesn't happen yeah nothing's perfect yeah okay so you've mentioned uh part of one of your off-season goals is making this uh this planner that's based around like how you kind of go about your like days weeks goal setting talk to me about what's going to be in this planner give me like explain it to me because you know I love a good planner. I love a good goal setting technique. Talk me through it. So in the last few years, so first of all, I love buying planners. I love buying things in general, <laughs> put that aside, but I love buying planners. I can't not, I like, uh, if I go to Target, I try to not go in the planner aisle because so many, they're all pretty, they're all different. But in the last few years, I've bought a bunch of different ones. So I've experimented with what I think works best. 
because sometimes you'll get the one that has everything in it like everything so each day you have like 12 things to, to fill in like the morning journal the evening journal your meal your water your sleep your that and at first that's like really cool but i've realized that when there's too much then you don't do it especially if you're already busy but like if it's like romanticized like in the way that you'll wake up in the morning and take like 30 minutes to do this and like I, i'm not saying it's not good and if if some people manage to do it every morning and make it a routine like that's great because routines are the best i was reading this book called the, the happiness equation and they say every day you have a, a maximum of decision making you can do and it doesn't matter if they're big decisions or small decisions if you're deciding things every day what am i going to eat what am i going to wear what am i going to do what am i going to then at the end of the day you're going to run out of decision making juice so if you have routines, then it's all those decisions that you have to make. Like people eat the same thing or dress the same way every day, then they have more bandwidth to make other decisions. So anyway, wow, I just like try this. So I love it. Those planners that have everything in it are great, but if there's too much, it's just you won't do it. And then so like instead of like sticking to one or two of these tabs, then you'll just quit all of it because you feel like you're not just going to go open it and do half of it so then you just won't do it at all so i've realized that a, a, a bit of a more simple monthly weekly planner is that because right now right now i feel like I've, I've mastered it like for this semester as i said i have all these projects and then i have classes and then i have training and then I, i'm also planning for all the next year so like i feel like I've, the most things i'm trying to plan out and i feel like i'm doing it pretty good so i have this monthly and weekly planner which is pretty simple. Uh, I keep it simple and so I can mark in the future, like my assignments of projects I need to get done, races, trainings, and appointments, podcasts and stuff in that planner. But then I have a separate daily little planner so that in my week, I can show you, I have it here. This one's like homemade because I was trying it out. So. I write all my day, my weekly tasks here. So like Monday, Tuesday, blah, 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 and with the week. But I also have all these post-its with different color coding um, that I put in through the week. Then I put them, in, put them in advance. Like next week is loaded already. And then and I put them in advance. But then that means when I do them, I pull the post-it out and I, I garbage. It's done. But then also, if it's not done, I can just report it to the next week. And then, like, if I look at next week, if, if right now I look at next week, I'm like, oh, this is way too much. I'm never going to get to do all that. And I know that if I'm going to switch a page, I'm going to freak out. Then I take some and then move them in the next week later on. So it doesn't feel as bad as just, like, writing them out. And then you see all this thing, these things that are still there, but you, you wrote them out. They're just they're gone for next week. And it's a lot easier mentally to go through it then when you have like a to-do list that has a hundred things on it and you of course there's things that are more important than others so like there's a hundred things on them and you just don't want to look at your list because it, it makes you want to cry so that way they're all in different lists so then on monday i take that page which has all the post-its and the important assignments that are like timely and then i put on a different page on monday i'm going to do these and then on tuesday i'm going to do these and it's also like a little of uh, the daily one is just like, I rip the page when the day is done. So I only see one day at a time. So I can pick the things that are more important and I put them in that first day. So then I don't have to look at all these other things that I'm gonna have to do tomorrow and I'm gonna have to do Wednesday and I'm gonna have to do Thursday because that's so stressful. And then when you know you have so many other things to do tomorrow, you don't wanna do the ones you have to do today. So that's, I found that really helpful because even from this season, it's been such a crazy season that a lot of things I procrastinated and then I started the off season being so excited to have some off time but I was like oh my god I have so many like claims for all these lost bikes and like claims for insurance from like getting injured in Switzerland when I was billed like $2,500 for a, a CT scan stuff like that so like when so I'll put like one really sh shitty thing I have to do today and then three other like easier things so I'm like oh, well, I only have four things to do and three of them are easy. So they're going to be like, you do them easily. And then you'll do that one really shitty one that you've been procrastinating. But then once you do it, you're like, oh my God, I did it. And it wasn't that bad. And then, and then you're like, oh, I'm all done with my list. You're all done with today's list. 
which feels great. You feel like you've done so much because you went through your whole list. But if you had skipped, if you had skipped it, like a hundred things on that list, you you never get done. So it's never you never get any satisfaction from like your long to do list. So mm-hmm. when you split it day by day, then you every day at five or six p.m. you're like, oh my god, I've been grinding all day, but I'm done for today, and it feels so great. And now like on Thursdays and Fridays, I feel so happy going home thinking that I've done like all my things. When yeah, next week like I just told you, like next week is loaded. So now it's Thursday and I'm like getting done for the week and I'm like, oh my God, it's been such a great week. And and it's just so great. I love it. I love it. I love that so much. I'm I'm obsessed with the post-it notes now. These, they seem fantastic. <laughs> it's my favorite thing. And like, I, I put one of each on the, on the first page of my book and it says like, what, what's what? So and then it's just, that's really helpful. I love it. And one thing you're really good at, I know is like daily routines and like weekly routines, especially around like stuff like strength training. Like that's a big one. And I know a lot of people struggle with that, especially in the off season. So talk to us about how to create some of those habits for like actually getting that stuff done. Cause in addition to like the shitty tasks, you're right. Like there's like the big shitty tasks, but there's also these like little annoying daily things that need to get done. I'm actually in the process of restarting my, my daily routine. Cause I just said like, if you have too many things on your, your romanticized routine, you're just not going to do anything. Mm-hmm. Like if you, if you're unrealistic with it and you're like, like, let's say you have to go to work at nine and then you tell yourself that you're going to do yoga and meditation and drink two cups of water and one cup of coffee and a green juice and you're not going to do any of it because it's not, it's not realistic. So instead of just doing the one or two things, yeah, exactly. So it, it, you have to keep it realistic. And I was already, I was, I was in the process of doing that because, because season's over. I'm done with traveling for a bit. So I want to get back into a routine. And I, this, that's my, another notebook. That's my idea book. And like, think I'll have the things in here are never going to happen. But I'll have to put it in there anyways. And then at some point I'll, I'll, I'll reach for it and be like, oh, I can't get this one done. So I was working on like, re- re- like creating my, my routine for the next few months. And at first, so I, I made my Sunday routine, my Monday routine, morning routine, and night routine. And then I was going to start writing the routine down right away. And I was like, I, I don't know which, what, what to pick first. So then I was like, oh, I'm going to put these post-its and put everything ideally everything that I want to put on that routine so like there's again there's more things than I want to but once I decide that all right this is everything I need in my Sunday routine and this is everything I need in my Monday routine and this is everything I need in my morning routine then I'll pick which one is essential and which one is just like too dreamy like I I saw it on TikTok and I was like oh my god it looks so cute I want to get my nails done every Sunday like sounds great not going to happen. I won't keep it in my routine and just disappoint myself every Sunday when I don't do it. Although it should be noted that your nails are great right now. So <laughs> I that. Um, So yeah, once I'm happy with what's on, the, what's on the, the post-it, then I'll write it and make it the actual routine. And I'm not there yet because I haven't taken the time to, but I use post-its a lot. So like, yeah, once I'm happy with what's in my routine, then I'll mark it out and say, all right, every Friday I need, I get all these things done. And then, and then, then of course the first few weeks, you might not get all of them done, but as, as, as realistic as you put it, I think the more chances you'll, you'll get stick to it. And which is why I'm, I'm really trying to get into it now that it's the off and it's easier. And then, yeah, and obviously having everything, I think having everything written out, it's so much easier, especially paper. Like I have a dil- million notes on my computer, but all the notes that are on my computer were on paper first or on simultaneously on paper. Just because I think writing things down is, uh, at least for me, I, I maybe also a bit of a girl thing, but I have so many notebooks and I think I'm everywhere like this one. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So Top tips for someone who's like just kind of starting this like goal setting for next season. How would you how would you kind of like walk them through thinking about their next season? 
especially for people who don't necessarily have like the obvious World Cup calendar, right? Because for for you, you sort of know exactly what races you kind of have to do, but not everyone has that. So if you were walking someone new through setting some like athletic goals for next season, how would you walk them through setting like their race schedule and like how they're going to get to it? I'd probably say start with the race schedule, even though if you don't have a a clear idea, like the the actual schedule schedule, like, like, for example, like right now, I know what, when the world cups are going to be. And I know I want to do a full world cup circuit and add on to it. So even if you don't have dates, you can tell yourself, right, my main goal is the World Cup. And then I want to also do these like slightly smaller races that are going to be important, but not as important. And they're going to be filling the spaces between the World Cup. So I know like generally like, oh, well, in June and July, I'm going to be in this area. So let's say June, July, I'll be in Europe. And then in August, I'll be in the United States. Or if, if you're racing smaller races, you say, oh, so I work or I go to school until late June, but in August, I'd really like to go to a few races, even if you don't know exactly which ones yet. You know that August is going to be your, your month. It's going to be my month of racing, and I want to race like this local series, even if you don't know the dates or the, where it is exactly, you know, like, oh, it's generally going to be in the Northeast or, oh, it's going to be in Ontario or whatever. So then, so that's your main goal. August is your month of racing. And then you're like, oh, so that gives me June and July, which where I'm going to be not, I'm not going to be in school to really focus on writing a lot. So get a lot of writing and practice my skills and like practice my, my racing. Like if you're racing XC, like, oh, this in June and July, I'm going to practice like my starts and practice taking my speed bottles. And I'm going to practice like things that are really like focused on the racing part because you'll have more time on trails and blah, blah, blah. And then, so then you're like, all right, so, so essentially what I'm saying is like, you start with the big goal and then you backtrack all the way to where you're not now. So like, let's keep that example of that person who's in school and wants to race in, in August. So yeah, they said July, June, July, and August is going to be focused on really racing, like technical racing things. So then in June and May, you probably start getting out on trails. I don't know, maybe they live in Ontario, maybe they live in Canada, so they can't go ride bikes all year and they can't just like take two months off of school and go train in Sibella. Although that's great. Um, so then you're like, all right, so that means that all winter I'm probably not gonna touch a bike a whole lot. So then that means I'll really create a good base and I'll go to the gym and do intervals on the trainer. Uh, and then you if you have a coach or don't have a coach and you, you build your schedule on that. And you again be realistic. So because if you sell yourself oh well these guys like like I saw Kate Courtney, she trains like 25 hours. So like, I'm going to, I'm going to do that too. Um, and then you tell yourself, I'm going to do five hours of trainer a day. Well, that's not going to work out because you go to school and you're not paid to ride your bike and you have all these other things. And also like five hours of trainer a day is just, it's just not fun. <laughs> we all try to, it's not fun. And if you manage to do it, do it once and then you're burnt out for the rest of the week or the rest of the month and you're like, I'm never touching the trainer again. So yeah, again, be realistic with, with your schedule and like with your schedule, your budget, your what you have access to. Like one, uh, the first year I was in, uh, at university, I was uh, at Laval University in Quebec. So it was insanely cold all winter and there's no cycling team. And I knew that I was gonna be really busy with school but I also wanted to train with a team. So I joined the, the track and field team and I ran track. So it, it wasn't ideal. Like I'm a downer racer and I was racing track, but I was training with athletes three times a week and obviously cardio, cardio and like my legs were really, I was really fit and I got really strong. It took me like a month or two to translate that like running fitness into cycling fitness. So it wasn't ideal. And I, I'm not gonna say like run track and field, you're gonna be a great downhill racer, but it was more realistic. And I had a great time. And when I got to ride my bike, at first it wasn't perfect, but I was so excited to ride my bike because I hadn't ridden it. So like, it's, it's like finding things that, that are gonna work for you and like, I, I, I wouldn't change that year for anything. It was great. And I, I ran track and field for the school. 
and I had teammates and blah, 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 and then I got into racing and at some point like the fitness kicked in and it was, and I raced great. So it's just finding ways that you can make things happen with your environment and your things you have access to. I love that. And that also pulls in the idea of like, okay, you know, maybe training by yourself. Like you could have just been on the trainer all winter alone. In yeah. That case, right. Yeah. But like, and it's I mean, about- I did some trainer that year, but I, I knew that if I, I knew that if I just went back home after classes every day to ride the trainer by myself every day, then I would have been less and less and less. And so that, so then I ran track. And then when I had to ride the trainer two or three times a week, I was fine with it because I was, I, I did these other things that boosted like my, my need for training with people or my need for like being competitive against people. And so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah, love that. I love that so much. And I think just that backtracking out is like the most valuable thing that anyone can really, really do. Cause I think we all get it in our heads. Like, okay, I want to race, you know, unbound gravel in June. And you put that on your, you know, you put that on your like resolution list or what a goal list for 2020. And then you don't do anything about it. And then it's May and you're like, huh, should probably do some volume now. And that's when everyone starts riding like 200 miles on the weekends. And you're like, you know, you're racing in like two weeks. Like this is not the time. Um, yeah. Yeah. When things are really far away, it's hard to like figure out how to get there. Cause you're like, where do I start? And well, to know where you're going to start, easier to start where, where you're going to finish and then backtrack, like all, all roads lead to Rome. At least you know where you're going to Rome. <laughs> well, I think you're exactly right. The, especially like the backtrack of like, okay, the race is in August. So what am I doing in July? Okay. If I'm doing that in July, then what do I do in June? And I think that backtrack, instead of going with my races in August. So what should I do in January? It actually makes more sense to start with like, okay, what am I doing the month out from the race and kind of keep going back from that. I think that's just such a fantastic thing that a lot of people don't like, don't think about. They're like, what do I do right now? to get to there and we sort of have this like blank middle but if we start by like kind of backtracking ah so good so good yeah Um, yeah and then you can you can make compromises because you know where you're going and what how much time you have to get there so like like I ran track and field but if my if my racing was in a month from now then I probably would have said like oh well I can't afford to go right to race track and field right now because racing is in a month so, yeah, exactly. Oh, I love it. Okay. Before we, before we wrap this podcast up and then we shift to the, the business side of things, uh, let everyone know where they can find you and, you know, keep an eye out for planners and all the fun stuff. So Instagram, my, my at shell Pajot, shell, like a seashell Pajot, P-A-G-A-U. Um, everything, everything else that I do is on Instagram to begin with. I now have a website. It's actually easy to do it, shellpajot.com. Um, there's not much to it yet, but I, that's, that's one of the things I'm really excited about the offseason to get working on the website and YouTube and stuff. But everything's on Instagram and then it, it grows from there. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I'm so excited to, uh, to share this episode and all the goals and everything. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you want to hear more training, racing, and endurance sport advice, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at consummateathlete.com for a weekly dose of inspiration and advice straight to your inbox. 